Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. Our broadcast today is entitled Men and Women. Recently, I went on a tangent in a sermon about the differences in men and women. In this particular message, it was actually this past Sunday at Flint River Primitive Baptist Church, we were considering the Apostle Peter and some of the other disciples returning to their former occupation as fishermen as the Lord had been resurrected, but in that 40-day time period when they were supposed to wait for the instruction and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they become impatient, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing with their lives, and so they just simply return to the previous things that they were doing prior to serving the Lord and walking with Him every day. In that 40-day time period between His resurrection and ascension, Jesus would appear to them roughly once a week or so. And He would do this sporadically. He would appear, He would command, He would comfort, sometimes He would rebuke, and then He would disappear from their midst and then reappear again at another date. Well, Peter's occupation was being a fisherman, and one of the things that we talked about in that message is that work is a good thing. Work is commanded. From Scripture, if a man won't work, he also should not eat. And likewise, if a man doesn't take care of the people of his own household, well, he's worse than an infidel. He has denied the faith. So working is something that men are simply commanded to do. And while it is men who are commanded to work, I should also say that from Scripture, the virtuous woman, she did much to work as well. They both had forms of work. And so it's fine if a woman has a job as well. I don't want you to get the impression that I don't believe that, but certainly a man is supposed to work and to care for his family. That's something that God expects for a man to do. And so it's not wrong that a man would be a fisherman, but God had a different work for Peter to do. And we emphasize that point in that message. Now, what was Peter's work that he was supposed to do? He was supposed to preach the gospel. And this preaching of the gospel was his work. Might I say that preaching and pastoring is indeed work, work that Paul refers to as a good work. But in this tangent from that message the other day, I began considering the fundamental differences, according to Scripture, but also proven in nature, between men and women. Because of the relevance of such in our day, the need to talk about the differences in men and women, things that kindergartners understand, things that humanity understood for thousands of years, but suddenly, for some reason today, we try to redefine this and refer to it as just some sort of a societal construct, something that men and women have just made up through religion or patriarchy or some other thing. I feel the need to talk about that particular subject on the broadcast today. And so we want to talk about men and women. 
Now, if you'd like to listen to the message that we delivered on the Apostle Peter and how he was to go and to work, but his work was to be the gospel, you can find that on the Facebook page for Flint River Primitive Baptist Church, and you can also find that on the YouTube channel for MarchToZion.com. Both messages are there in video form, unedited. You can watch that message as it unfolded live on either of those two pages. The first thing that we want to emphasize is that while men and women are different, they are both made in God's image. Therefore, both men and women deserve equality, liberty, respect, dignity, etc. Now, where do we get this from in Scripture? Well, we find it in the book of Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man— In the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Now this hails back to something that was recorded earlier in the book of Genesis, and you'll find that in the early chapters of Genesis, the same story unfolds over and over again with different information and different perspectives, different points of view. And so you might have a couple of different ways of describing the beginning of the flood. You might have a couple of different ways of describing the fact that God created man and gave him certain dominion and authority and responsibility, and mankind isn't just male, but male and female, created he them. Now, this language, male and female, created he them, is Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so mankind, as in Adam, as in male and female, every human being, we are made in the image of God, and as such we have dominion, but at the same time we deserve inherently as people dignity and respect and compassion. James would use this in the New Testament to point out that we should not use the same tongue to bless God, but then curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Sometimes people ask, well, after the fall of Adam into sin, is Adam still in the image of God? And the answer to that is no and yes. No, he's not upright as he was prior to sin, but yes, he's still made in the image of God, albeit a marred version of that image. There are many New Testament passages that talk about the fact that human beings are yet in the image of God. Sometimes chauvinistic men will attempt to say that women were never made in God's image, but you just read there where God created man in his image, male and female created he them. And because of that, unto them, God says, to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. And so that command was given to both male and to female, male and female, men and women, are both made in the image of God. And again, because of that, there is equality and liberty and respect and dignity that both men and women are entitled to in the sight of God because God created them in his own image. Male and female created he them as he made man in his own image. 
Remember that every human being, and this will be a part of what we discuss as we look at the fundamental differences in men, every human being comes from Adam. Eve is taken from his rib and made into a person and presented unto him. She came from Adam. You and I come from Adam as Adam and Eve had children. Every single one of us comes from Adam. And so God made man, that is Adam, in his image. Male and female created he them through Adam. And, well, we're all made in the image of God, taken from that first man who God created from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In the Christian home, we see this sort of equality and liberty, respect, dignity, etc., in the respect and the love that each person is to have for the other person in the home. And so a wife is commanded to reverence her husband and to respect her husband. A husband is commanded to love his wife as Christ has loved the church. Now, if a wife respects her husband and the husband loves his wife and serves his wife the way that Christ loves and serves the church, you're going to have a happy marriage. Unhappy marriages begin with one of the two partners in the home not obeying and fulfilling those commandments that God has given for them. Women should respect their husbands. Husbands should love and nurture their wives the way Christ loves the church. And if we both spend our time not tearing into the other person for their failures, but trying to live out what God has commanded for us, our marriages are going to be a whole lot better and will be people that are far more blessed in our homes. It will have an effect on our children, on our churches, on the people all around us. I cannot overemphasize the importance of being biblical in the Christian home. Wives are to respect their husbands, and the word that Ephesians 5 uses is submit unto their husbands. Don't be scared of that word or even offended by it. In the church, we are to submit one to another and to the Lord. And we see that same word applying to everyone in the church in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We are to submit to one another. And so, obviously, that's not conveying slavery, because in the church, none of us are the literal slaves of another person, simply because we are all in the church. No, we love each other. We submit to each other in the commandments of God. We get along with each other. We try to yoke up together in fellowship. And the same sort of thing is what we are to be doing in the Christian home, particularly wives submitting to their husbands, respecting them, and reverencing them, as we read in other scripture. Husbands are commanded to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Now, greater love hath no man than that he should lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater love in this world than the love that Christ has for his people, and that is the love that a husband is to love his wife with. It is a self-sacrificing love. It is not a selfish love. It's a love that would cause him to come into the world and die for people. Jesus came into the world not to die for people that were doing great but needed a little help. He came into the world to die for enemies, people at enmity with him. He took their reproach upon himself and gave them his righteousness. That's the type of love a husband is supposed to have for his wife. Now, think about this as husbands. At no point are our wives to be slaves or property of us, Jesus really is Lord, and he's Lord of all. He's our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of the church, but he is also King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the ultimate authority in the world. And what sort of lording did Jesus do among his people? Well, in John chapter 13, 
he took a basin of water and he began to wash their feet and dry their feet. That was the role of a servant. And so Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Husbands, if we would spend more time serving our wives, proverbially washing their feet, as it were, than we do expecting the royal carpet treatment, well, that might change some things in our homes. We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, and Christ loved the church so very much that he died for the church, but he also served them as he was living here in the world. Now, it's sad that I need to clarify this next point, but as we look at God creating humanity as either male or female, you are whatever your biology says you are. Now, what sociologists and psychologists and political advocates of wokeness and all kinds of other ideas in the world, what they don't tell you is that this gender dysphoria that sometimes is embellished in in our country, it carries with it a higher rate of depression and anxiety and suicide, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and also abuse from other people. And the overwhelming majority of people who try to change their gender into what it is not by biology end up at some point in their life reverting back to the way that they were simply by nature. Because, well, that's what they literally are based upon biology, based upon science, based upon their genetics. It's really sad that I need to clarify that on the radio today, but suffice it to say, men are men, women are women, and whatever it is that we have come into the world as, well, that's what we are to live as and to be. And as we'll emphasize as we close today's broadcast, accepting that is to bring happiness into your life if you're a person that struggles with that. Be the you that God made you not someone else. Any of us could look at someone else in the world and say, well, I really wish I could be like that person. Mental illness is to look at some other person and believe that I'm him, but we all can be envious of another person's lifestyle. I'm sure in our post-Marvel comic book movie fanaticism in our country today, any of us could look at some of those superheroes as men and think, I really wish I could be like this particular superhero. But the fact of the matter is, we're not. I'm not. You're not. And so being happy is simply being who God has made me to be, especially who I am, my identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. At minimum, I'm made after God's own image as a human being. But beyond that, I have the blessing of being a person in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. I belong to Christ, and my identity is in Him. I find happiness being in Him, joy being in Him as a person who belongs to Him, my identity is in Christ Jesus, not as the world would try to redefine it or frame it. Now, next on the broadcast, we want to talk about the fundamental differences in men. And after we do this, we're going to talk about the fundamental differences in women. Suffice it to say, and this should come as no surprise to anyone, but it is not universally agreed upon in our country today. Sadly, it's become a political issue and Please understand that I do not talk politics on words of grace. This is not a political issue to me. It ought not be a political issue at all. This is a matter of morality. It's a matter of science, even, that men and women are different. Understanding those differences and capitalizing on those differences are keys to being happy in this world. Men and women are indeed different. Now, if you have several children, you know that. Your children know that. Kindergartners know that. Preschoolers know that. 
boys and girls are not the same. When our oldest was younger, that boy, if you did not buy him toy swords, toy bows, or toy guns, he would go out into the woods and he would find sticks that looked like swords and bows and guns. And there was a bucket on the front porch. Every time he would bring a new stick up into the house, he would leave it there in the bucket on the front porch. And he knew what every one of those was supposed to be when, to the rest of us, they just looked like tree limbs that had fallen and broken. But to him, they were all sorts of different weapons where he would go out into the woods and fight monsters and bad guys and all sorts of aliens and who knows what in his imagination. That's what he did as a boy. Now, I have three sons and two daughters, and I can tell you that there's a great difference in the boys and the girls. The girls played with dolls. The girls fixed their hair. The girls liked to try to put makeup on. They would cut their hair. That's one of the greatest battles we had with both of our daughters as they were really young is cutting their own hair. My boys never wanted to do that. They didn't want to comb it. They didn't want to wash it. But the girls are trying to primp. They're trying to get themselves looking better in their mind, and they're compulsive about it. There's a difference fundamentally by nature between men and women, boys and girls. God made man that is male from the dust of the ground. You see this in Genesis 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them, that is mankind, have dominion. And so God created man in his image, and as we already read, male and female created he them. In Genesis chapter 2, the Lord formed man, in verse 7, of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God created Adam, man, first from the dust. Man was created to work even from the Garden of Eden. Notice this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. As Christians, sometimes we think that work is the punishment for Adam's transgression. But work predates Adam's transgression. God created man, and he, the Lord God, took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And then he goes on to command him, you can eat everything here except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. Thou shalt surely die. But what does God put Adam in the garden to do? He put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. That was work. This man is placed in the garden and he's to work. After this, God would go and parade all the animals in front of Adam and Adam named every living creature. That sounds like work, doesn't it? God gave things for the man to do in the form of work. Now, as such, the one in the home that is to work, man is built naturally with a bigger frame and stronger muscles on average. Now, I know that you can find examples of female athletes that, quite frankly, would beat the dickens out of me in a fist fight. They can outbox me and outfight me and outrun me. But just generally speaking, a male is physically larger than a female. This is why when they dig people up who've been dead for thousands of years, they can identify the gender based upon the skeleton. And it's always one of two, by the way. It's always either male or female. Men are naturally bigger and stronger. And the reason is they're designed to work. And that comes in handy as well in a post-sin world, in a world after sin. It comes in handy to defend the family and to defend the town and the country from invaders. You look at 
militaries all through human history, and they're primarily made up of men because you don't have drones and you don't have tanks, you don't have guns and body armor and helmets, but you have swords and you have shields and you have spears. And while at times women took up arms as well, there are some cases of that even in Scripture, generally men made up the armies because men are bigger and stronger. And by the way, as we come to the role of a woman and the differences in women and men, women are usually taking care of the children back at home because in that day, that's all they could do. There were no societal institutions to take that role away from them or that responsibility from them. Men went and fought wars. Men are built bigger and stronger. It's easier for a man to sling a hammer. It's easier for a man to sling a pick. It's easier for a man like Peter to pull a net full of 156 fish onto the seashore than it would be for a woman. Now, I say that. My wife refinishes furniture. She can go out and deadlift 200 pounds because she's physically strong from all that labor. But again, speaking of averages, men on average are stronger than women. They're designed to be that way. That's simply the way they are by design. Men also have the headship, and this is seen in Adam and sin. When Adam sins, all of his posterity is plunged into sin because of his transgression. Adam violates God's law, and in that he becomes a sinner. Sin passes upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam is a sinner, and as he becomes a sinner, we're all made sinners in Adam, because he is the head of us in a spiritual sense. He was the first Adam. Christ is the last Adam. He is a head over his people in the same way, but Adam sinned unto death. Christ lived a perfect life without sin and died unto us having life. And so Christ is the last Adam. That's his one of his titles in Scripture. Now, along these lines, and we'll move on very quickly from this point, frankly, men in America commonly do a very poor job leading their families in the Lord or in any other thing. Now, they might train their kids to sit at a ballpark. They might train their kids to fish all weekend. They might train their kids to drink and to womanize and to do all kinds of other things that are either not wise or outright sinful. But how sad is it that we have such a famine in the land for men who lead their homes in the Lord? Husbands, God counts you the head of your house. He counts you as the spiritual head over your tribe, as it were. And he holds you accountable more than your wife, more than your parents. He holds you accountable, no one else. You are the head of your house. It is your responsibility to lead your children and your wife in the Lord to be the example of Christ in the home to them. If you're not doing that, and none of us do it the way we should, today is a day that you need to repent and change that for the better to the benefit of your home. Now, moving on, the fundamental difference with women. God made women, woman, as the help or companion for Adam. And we see this in Genesis chapter 2. The Lord caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then we have this narrator's note. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's another subject for another day. But when you get married, you leave father and mother. You're no longer under their authority or dominion, but you now are the head of your own respective household. 
So God forms Eve from Adam's rib that he took from him, and he created a person that is different than the man. Women were made with beauty that men lack. It's a fundamental difference with women and men. Women are made with beauty that men simply do not have. Sorry to tell you this, bro, but women are made more beautifully than we are as men. Women were designed to do things that men cannot do. A man cannot carry a baby. A man cannot conceive a child. He can't carry a baby. His body has no organ to facilitate the growth of a baby in it. He cannot carry a baby. Nor can a man nurse a baby. Men cannot nurse babies. Oh, I'm sure there's some hormones that a man could take that would cause him to do that, and I'm sure there's a disorder that we've discovered from time to time. But just generally speaking, men cannot nurse babies. Women do that after having children in response to the hormonal changes in the gestational period and the birth of that child. Women nurse naturally. Now, we just had a Similac shortage, an infamil shortage, a baby formula shortage in the United States where moms and dads were struggling to feed their babies. You know how they fed babies up until our modern times? Women simply nursed them. They simply fed their kids. They nursed them. The milk that a mother makes is designed for her baby, her body producing that for that child. And it is the most perfect beverage that a child of that age can drink. It is perfectly formulated for babies. You and I, men, we can't do that. We can't make that. But our wives can. Now, in early history, Men would plow the fields, they would work outside. Again, they're bigger and stronger and stinkier and all the other things that men are. Women, once married, well, they would carry the children if the Lord blessed them to conceive and to have children. Do you think they're out there plowing the field eight months with child? No. They're tending to the home, preparing the home for the baby. They're out of the sun. They're resting because they're carrying a baby. After that baby's born, the mother has to heal, which takes a period of weeks. And then the mother has to nurse the baby for up to a year after that. And a lot of times that process began over and over again. Every time a baby gets weaned, a woman would have another baby because they're married and they're being as married people are. And so children are the natural byproduct of that, according to nature. We can just see God's intent all in the making of men and women. Men are bigger and stronger. They go fight wars. They plow fields. They hammer as a blacksmith. They build houses as a carpenter. Whatever it is that men do, they're designed to do it. Women are designed to have children, to carry them, to birth them, to nurse them, and to nurture them, to continue to care for them, and to manage the home. A statistic came out years ago that surprised a lot of people. Women, according to one study, are better managers of the home than men are. Well, gee, where might we have gotten that impression without a study? Well, from the Word of God, because Paul said he would that women guide the home. That means to manage it. Keepers at home, that word keeper literally means a guard. Women are the managing guards of the home to protect their children from the influences of this world, to care for them, to love them, and to nurture them. Now, after sin, men and women worked a lot harder. 
men plowed the field by the sweat of his face until he returns to the dust. Women have increased sorrow in conception. It's harder to bear children. But this is simply who we are from the very moment that we were created. God made men and women different. Now, and listen carefully to what I say. As we bring our broadcast to a close, happiness in this life is accepting who we are according to how God made us and glorifying God in it. If you want to be happier in this world and you're a man, be the type of man that God has called you to be according to his word. If you want to be happier as a woman in this world, read what God's word says about women and be the type of woman that God's word would have you to be. Consider what I say, the Lord give thee understanding. Again, I'm Ben Winslet, thanking you for listening to Words of Grace today, inviting you to write and let me know that you've received the broadcast and also to tune in again next week at this time. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours, is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at MarchToZion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. And finally, Words of Grace is a listener-supported program. To contact us, address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741, or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.